You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It was another wild weekend of college football, and I've got some questions that we're going to start addressing for Penn State and what success they may have in 2020. Hi, everybody. I'm your host here of the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast, Kevin McGuire, a contributor to AthlonSports.com. Today is Monday, October 12th, 2020, and today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Happy to be with you here to start off a brand new week. Again, we are doing these episodes five days a week, Monday through Friday. So you've got fresh Penn State football content waiting for you in your podcast feeds. But that's only going to happen if you hit that subscribe button in whatever podcasting app you're using to listen to us right now. If you haven't subscribed now, now is a great time to do so. So make sure you hit that subscribe button and then be sure to leave a rating and review. Once this episode's over, let us know what you thought about today's content. And of course, you can also reach out to us in a variety of ways on social media by connecting with us using the username LockedOnNittany on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. Again, lots of stuff to get into as we get started with a brand new week, so let's go ahead and dig in. Well, if you're still one of those fans who's still waiting until the Big Ten starts playing football before you're actually going to pay attention to what's going on, you missed out on quite a weekend because there was a lot of stuff that happened. And I feel like it was the best Saturday that we have had so far this college football season from start to finish, starting with a terrific noon slate that saw Oklahoma and Texas go to four overtimes before determining which team was better. And uh, once again, that better team was Oklahoma, so they held off and avoid a, a little bit of a catastrophic loss in Big 12 play for the third straight week in a row against the Texas Longhorns. And then we also saw some teams that weren't quite ready for prime time, but we see that there are some positive directions that these programs are taking, specifically in Miami and Tennessee. And I think one of the themes of Saturday was the fact that SEC teams don't play defense anymore. <laughs> that, that SEC defense mentality used to be a, a big selling point and a bragging point for the SEC, but that is no longer the case. Certainly after this past weekend, we have seen that the SEC is much more offensively flavored right now. And it's kind of been trending in that direction for the last few years. I mean, even Alabama has gone to uh, high-scoring offenses that are just going to put up a whole ton of yards, a whole ton of points on a regular basis. And I think it's very noticeable that some of the defenses that you are accustomed to seeing in the SEC, outside of what Georgia's doing right now, they aren't up to par with where they felt like the standard had been set many years ago. So I don't know what's at play here. Obviously, I do think the game has changed and evolved a little bit, and it certainly helps to be much more offensively minded, I think, in today's game than it used to be. But it certainly still helps to have a team that's going to be able to play some good defense. That's why I think a team like Georgia, they are built as a very strong college football playoff contender right now because of their defense first and foremost. But the fact that they've got a quarterback in Stetson Bennett, the fourth, I think, is stepping in and kind of being the hero that nobody was really projecting to be Georgia's quarterback at any point this season, given their quarterback situation, uh, you know, to be able to have him come in and make the plays that he's been making, not going to take anything away from him, but he's been far more than a game manager that Georgia can probably get by with. So I do think that you're seeing, certainly with Georgia right now, and obviously there's a big test for them coming up this upcoming weekend against Alabama, but the way that Georgia is built right now, I think is a pretty strong candidate to be a college football playoff contender because they're a well-rounded team, right? They don't, they may not be the most dazzling, pass-happy offensive team, but they will make some plays on the ground. They are 
showing the ability to make some plays through the air. And certainly they've got a defense that's going to back it up. That's why they may be the best all-around team in the SEC right now. I'm not saying they're going to win the SEC. I still think it's going to be Alabama. But uh, Georgia is a very well-put-together team. And I think elsewhere in that division, you saw Florida. I felt like Florida has the best offense in the SEC. Uh, but they don't have that defense. And you saw that on the road against Texas A&M. Florida goes down on the road in College Station against the Aggies. Kudos to Texas A&M and head coach Jimbo Fisher. They really needed a win like that. But, uh, you know, Florida takes a loss. And that kind of opens up the door a little bit in that SEC East. Maybe for Georgia to get a stranglehold on the division, having already dispatched a Tennessee a team that's, again, one of those teams that's heading in the good direction, I feel, but certainly is not quite ready to play on the kind of level that they're going to have to, certainly in that SEC. So I thought we saw some good flashes from Tennessee, certainly in that good the first half, but uh, you got to play 60 minutes against a team like Georgia, and Tennessee isn't quite built to do that just yet. Uh, Miami, uh, another team getting a lot of hype going into the last weekend's game or this weekend's game against Clemson. And I, I kind of had a feeling that, again, I do feel like Miami is in good hands with Manny Diaz. I think there's going to be some really good things to come for the Hurricanes down the line, but they're just not ready just right now to go head to head with a team that is uh, as established as Clemson is. And I had a feeling that Miami going into that game, they're still going to have a good season, but they are going to get run out of the stadium by Clemson. And you kind of saw that, right? I feel like Clemson certainly rose to the occasion, uh, made sure to silence any of the positive energy that was being flown around with that Miami program. And Clemson, once again, is going to clearly be the team to beat in the ACC. Now, it doesn't mean that some other teams in the ACC aren't good. I do think that Miami is a good team. I think that Clemson is a great team. I think that Notre Dame is a good team. I don't know if they're great. Uh, obviously, they had a good performance against Florida State, certainly offensively. Speaking of offense in the ACC, North Carolina, oh my goodness, Sam Howell and the Tar Heels seem to be clicking on all cylinders. Now, they've got some defensive issues as well because they let Virginia Tech score a lot of games with a very depleted roster. So that's a... I'm sure they scored a lot of points, I should say, with a very depleted roster. So I, I think that there are, there are very few perfect teams, right? Uh, we'll have to wait and see just where some of these teams in the Big Ten are concerned. Is Penn State going to be one of those legitimate college football playoff contenders, uh, kind of uh, in the same kind of mold as Georgia with a good defense and a good running game? And then you hope that for the best out of that passing game. That's where I kind of feel like Penn State is. If they can make some plays happen in that passing game, and not to bury the lead, but we're going to kind of talk about this as the week goes on, as we address some of our questions about Penn State for the upcoming season. But it's no spoiler. We've talked about it before. The passing game is going to be a big question mark for Penn State because we don't know what to expect out of the wide receivers. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves, okay? Penn State is now currently ranked number nine in the AP poll. They actually uh, stayed at number nine this week from last week. But a couple of teams jumped ahead of them. Oklahoma State moved up from number 10 up to number seven. And Cincinnati moving up three spots from number 11 to number eight. So, 3-0 teams in Cincinnati and Oklahoma State. And again, as I've said before, I have no problem with ranking teams that have played games ahead of teams that have not played games. I still think Penn State's a better team than both Oklahoma State and Cincinnati, but Penn State has yet to step on the field. Now, neither has Ohio State, and Ohio State's sitting there number six in the polls, so they're still ahead of Cincinnati and Oklahoma State. But this is all going to sort itself out as the season goes along. The Big Ten and Penn State will get started in just a couple of weeks and we are very much looking forward to covering it from start to finish this year on the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. Again, I'm your host, Kevin McGuire. And coming up in our next segment, we're going to take a look at the running back position and the stable of good running back history that seems to be developing under James Franklin. Talk about that in our next segment right here on the Locked On 
Podcast Network, your team every day. There's nothing like starting a brand new week, feeling good, feeling energized, feeling full. And the best way for me to be doing that and the best way for you to be doing that is with Built Bars. That's right. These are the protein bars that taste just like a chocolate bar. And yes, they're even more deliciouser than they've ever been before. Not only do they have those 12 original flavors we have talked about many times, but they've got six brand new flavors and they even have more on the way and in the works, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, apple almond crisp, the perfect flavor for this time of year as you get ready ready for football. There's nothing like biting into something that tastes like a good fall apple. How about an apple crisp flavor protein bar? It's going to help you feel good. It's going to feel energized. You're going to feel good about what you're eating. They're perfect for anyone who's trying to lose or maintain weight, and you can fit it into almost any kind of diet you can imagine. If you want to check them out for yourself, go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Also, while supplies last, they'll throw in a free cooler with the purchase. So use the promo code Locked On, get 20% off your next order, and you might even get that free cooler as well. Once again, go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, get 20% off your order at BuiltBar.com. As I've explained before, I typically record these podcasts the day before they actually go live. I'll typically record them somewhere in the middle of the afternoon. So that sometimes there will be something that might be slightly outdated. But for the most part, I think we've been pretty good about keeping some timely conversation. Now, as I'm recording this, I'm actually watching the Eagles and Steelers game that's on TV right now in Pittsburgh. This is the first game, the first football game in the state of Pennsylvania, uh, higher than high school, I guess, that has allowed fans in the stadium. So we touched on that a little bit last week. Don't expect that to be happening at Penn State. But obviously, one of the main attractions for a Penn State fan watching the Steelers and Eagles game is a former Penn State running back, Penn State's very own Miles Sanders. And Miles Sanders had one of the longest runs that the Eagles have had in quite some time early in the game, tying the game at 7-7 with, I believe it was a 74-yard touchdown run against one of the best run defenses in the NFL. Uh, Miles Sanders certainly is a main attraction in this Philadelphia Eagles offense, and he should be moving forward. And I think it just speaks volumes of the kind of program that he's coming out of because not only does Miles Sanders come from Penn State, but the obligatory Saquon Barkley reference also has come from Penn State. And those are two really good running backs in the NFC East that have come from the same school under head coach James Franklin. And I found it interesting, and I've seen this uh, on Twitter a bunch of times, that every time you mention Miles Sanders, it's hard not to ignore the fact that he played behind Saquon Barkley but does he really need to be mentioned every time you talk about Miles Sanders? I feel like doing so doesn't necessarily belittle what Miles Sanders is, but I think it just kind of overshadows his own production, his own profile, his own work that he's put in to being the very best that he can possibly be. Don't forget, Miles Sanders came to Penn State as a very highly rated running back recruit, so it's not exactly as though uh, he was flying under the radar. I think just the fact that a guy like Saquon Barkley had emerged to become the kind of player that he was uh, made it very difficult to get some running uh, snaps in for Miles Sanders before Barkley had moved on. Now, obviously, Penn State did work to get Miles Sanders involved uh, as he got situated at Penn State, even under Barkley. And one of the first games where he really had a coming out party was against Pittsburgh, uh, the Pittsburgh Panthers, in the very same stadium, Heinz Field, which, of course, was, uh, you know, he was asked about his memories of playing in Pittsburgh. He's obviously played in that stadium before in high school and obviously in college. And one of the first memories he mentioned to one of the reporters that covers the Eagles was 51 to 6. That's all I got to say, uh, 51 to 6, of course, referring to Penn State's big blowout victory a few years back against the Panthers uh, on that Saturday night on national TV, uh, where it was a close game at halftime, and then Penn State just blew the doors off of Pitt 
in the second half. But getting back to the idea of just how good the running back position has become at Penn State under James Franklin, I don't think enough can be said. Obviously, you've got a guy like Saquon Barkley who can go out there and be one of the best running backs in the NFL. Obviously not this year because he got injured. And then you have Miles Sanders, who is very much a very capable uh, running back, could very well be a Pro Bowl player uh, during his career, as long as the Eagles use him properly. But that's another story. <laughs> but I do feel like uh, that really raises the bar for everything that's going on with your running back position. And of course, now we see coming off of last season and going into this season, the running back position is actually probably one of the biggest strengths for this Penn State offense going into the season. Now, Journey Brown, of course, has been getting a lot of praise and is largely credited as one of the big reasons why there's so much faith in this Penn State running game, largely based on his performance in the Cotton Bowl against Memphis. But obviously, he's been, uh, he was, he was kind of the breakout player in that Penn State running game last year. Again, this time last year, or I guess the beginning of last season, we're kind of wondering uh, which running back is going to be the guy that steps up, or is it really just going to be largely a running back by committee? Journey Brown eventually became the go-to guy for one reason or another uh, along the season. That's mostly because of the production he was capable of doing. I do feel like Noah Kane, uh, assuming that he remains healthy, is still going to be a major part of this running game as well. But the fact that you've got two guys they should feel pretty comfortable handing the ball off to this season. That puts Penn State in a fantastic position uh, going into this upcoming season. An eight-game sprint potentially to a Big Ten championship. So it's going to be very, very fun watching this Penn State running game continue to develop. And we'll see just how far this star rises for guys like Journey Brown and Noah Kane. Obviously, we know that Journey Brown is getting a lot of attention. And over the weekend on the Fox pregame show, Reggie Bush, who's one of the, the analysts, the studio analysts for Fox Sports, uh, was very high on Journey Brown. And deservedly so. And this is coming from a guy who was one of the best running backs in college, one of the best running backs coming out of high school. Obviously won a Heisman Trophy. Put that asterisk next to it if you want. But he won the Heisman Trophy because he was one of the best running backs that we've seen in quite some time. As certainly as the game was changing a little bit during those USC heydays under Pete Carroll, uh, Reggie Bush was the best running back in the country. And to get praise from a guy that played at that high level at the college game, uh, certainly should speak volumes about the kind of respect that journey brown has and obviously that's only going to continue and hopefully this is going to be a year where he lives up to the hype now we've tried to figure out exactly what you can expect out of journey brown this year uh you know a thousand yards in eight games i don't think it's impossible i would probably take the under though and if you want to include the ninth game that obviously changes things but let's just focus on that eight games i feel like that's going to be a pretty tall order for penn state and journey brown to reach but Hey, if he rushes for 1,000 yards, Penn State's going to be in really good shape. But the reason I say that I would probably go under is because I don't think he's going to have those big monster games week in and week out. Uh, he's going to face some pretty stiff defenses. And I, again, I do think that Noah Kane's going to be a little bit more involved as long as he stays healthy too to kind of balance things out a little bit. Because I do think that um, you know, while I'm fully... Uh, confident in Journey Brown's ability to carry the rock uh, 99% of the time if needed, I do feel like it would be more effective for Penn State to get a couple of guys involved and kind of keep things fresh, mix things up a little bit, uh, take uh, some different looks here and there just to keep defenses on their toes a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens here. I do think that this Penn State running back position has been one of the, the positions that has improved the most as far as depth is concerned under James Franklin. And I don't see that slowing down. I, I really do feel like the running back position is in really good hands moving forward. 
Cannot wait to see what it does in the offense this year under the new offensive coordinator. And of course, uh, yeah, it will be a strength and it will be the most consistent strength that Penn State has offensively. And that is going to be a lot of fun to watch. All this week, we're going to close out episodes by addressing one of the five questions I have for Penn State in 2020. And I'm going to start this week off by asking the question that I feel is a pretty important one. And that is, can Penn State avoid a bad road loss this year? Now, I think we all go into the season, we look at the schedule, and we see, all right, well, Penn State's got a pretty favorable schedule. The one game that I think most people would expect Penn State to lose is the second game of the season at home against Ohio State. Let me be clear, that is not an unwinnable game for Penn State. I'm just saying, if you have to mark down all the games that you think are the most likely losses, Ohio State in Week 2 would be at the top of your list. And if you're not, I would love to hear your explanation. But I do feel like if you look at everything as honestly as you possibly can, Ohio State is going to be probably the only team that will be favored against Penn State Unless a couple things happen as the season progresses, but I'd look at this season and I feel like there's only one game where Penn State will definitively be the underdog in, and that'll be that week two game against Ohio State. But if you look at the tenure under James Franklin, and even when Penn State has had some really good seasons that don't include a win against Ohio State, it seems as though there's been one game that hits the road that really kind of knocks things down a peg and really puts the college football playoff firmly out of reach for Penn State, even under the best case scenarios. Games like last year on the road against Minnesota, a few years back on the road against Michigan State with the the game-winning field goal as time expired. You go back to the year that Penn State actually won the Big Ten when they were blown out on the road against Michigan, also lost early in the year on the road against Pittsburgh. I'm asking if you're looking at the big picture here. Obviously, a Big Ten championship would be huge. And the fact that every game this year is going to be a conference game that makes the games that much more important for Penn State. But can they avoid a second loss? If you assume that Penn State does lose to Ohio State, and again, I'm not going to criticize you for thinking that because they will be the underdog in that game. And let's just assume that if they do lose to Ohio State, can this team still go 7-1 and one in the eight-game schedule? And then we'll worry about that ninth game later on when we cross that bridge. Is it, is it possible to go 7-1? and one? I think it is absolutely possible, but if you've been listening to this podcast over the last few weeks and reading some of my analysis and hearing my thoughts on the schedule, you know that I think that there are some very serious pitfalls that could come on the road for Penn State this year. We're going to start right with that first game on the road in Bloomington against Indiana. That game should scare you just a little bit. I don't think that Penn State is going to be looking past Indiana towards that Week 2 matchup against Ohio State. But Indiana is a dangerous team, especially when they play at home. And if they're healthy and they've got Michael Penix Jr. making things happen, that can be a dangerous game. So Penn State's got to be ready for that game. I'm not ready to say that that is an automatic win by any stretch of the imagination. I think Penn State needs to be fully prepared and focused for that game. Otherwise, they could be in for some trouble against the Hoosiers. The other two games on the road that worry me, I should say, are the game against Michigan later in the year and then the fourth game of the season against Nebraska. Now, I've said all along, Nebraska is a little bit of a wild card to me. I don't know what to expect from them. I think they have got a brutal schedule, but I just look at the situation of that Penn State game. That'll be the fourth game of the year. Nebraska will have already gone through Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Northwestern, a team that does give them some trouble. And they could be either dead in the water already, or maybe they're looking for a rejuvenation, a statement opportunity. Maybe they're going to go 2-2. Two two. Maybe they've got a chance for a 3-1 record. 
Who knows? But I do think that that is a dangerous position to be in. It's the longest road trip of the year for Penn State. And if Nebraska does take some steps forward as a program in developing their offenses, I anticipate they are capable of doing. Then again, Penn State has their work cut out for them. That game to Lincoln is not a spot I'm very comfortable with, no matter what version of the schedule we have been looking at. I feel like it's not as dangerous as it once was, but it's still something that has me a little concerned as we approach that game coming up in the fourth game of the season. Of course, the, the big game on the road will very likely be that Michigan game. You don't need me to tell you the history of Penn State in Ann Arbor. There have been a couple wins, yes, but largely since Penn State joined the Big Ten, it has not gone very well in Michigan Stadium. Maybe this year is going to be different. Maybe Michigan's going to have an offense this year. Maybe they'll have a quarterback that can move the chains. Maybe they've got an offensive coordinator in Josh Gaddis who is now fully comfortable with the weapons he, he players that he has to work with. Maybe they develop that system. Maybe they impress some people. Maybe they've won a couple big games already up to this point. I believe they will have already played Minnesota in their opener. They'll play Wisconsin. Those are two big tests for Michigan. And I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Michigan has a very good year this year. Uh, I've said before, I do think they're going 5-3, and three, but I think one of those wins can be against Penn State. So I think this is a Michigan team that does match up well with Penn State, uh, and I feel as though the Wolverines are probably built to slow down a team like Penn State better than some other teams may be. I, I think defensively, Michigan's going to be fine. I think offensively is the big question for the Wolverines, as it typically usually is under Jim Harbaugh, but... I think that that is a, a team that should be reckoned with, I think, this year. And I think anyone who's overlooking Michigan and just focusing on Penn State and Ohio State in this Big Ten East is going to be in for a little bit of a rude awakening because I do think that Michigan's going to be a little bit of a player this year in the division. Again, I'm still taking Ohio State to win the division. I think Penn State is the second-best team, but I do think that Michigan can cause some problems. And we saw a little bit of it last year. Obviously, Penn State jumped all over them early on, but Michigan did battle back, and I feel like this is going to be another physical matchup for the Nittany Lions, and going on the road, it's going to be a little bit of a concern. No fans in the stands, though, so maybe things are changed a little bit. Maybe the home field advantage isn't as big of a deal this year in the Big Ten, but I still think there's a, a big benefit to staying at home as opposed to going on the road and again Michigan's going to be a good team Nebraska's going to be a little bit of a wild card Indiana could have an offense that could make you work for it and earn something this year so those are three road games that I think are dangerous for Penn State I'm not saying that they're going to lose them all three of them I do think they lose one of them though and I've said this before I think that they're going to lose either the game at Nebraska or the game at Michigan now if they can win both those games Penn State is going to be in excellent shape to get back to the college football playoff New Year's Six lineup. The college football playoff is going to be a little bit of a different story because I still think they're going to get have to get by Ohio State. And I don't think Ohio State, you can count on losing two games, even if they do beat Penn State. So I think you have to beat Ohio State in week two if you want to get to the playoff. But that's another question for another day. Let me know what you think about the road game situation for Penn State. Does it worry you? Do any of those games really stand out to you and cause some caution for you as a fan? Are there any other road games that you're looking forward to and saying that maybe there could be some trouble here? Um, if you think that the road trip to Rutgers is going to be an issue, let me know. I would love to hear your explanation. And there are no right or wrong answers here, folks. You can chime in with whatever opinion you have. And the best way to do that is to connect with us on our social media platforms, especially Twitter. We're always active on the Twitter machine. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch using the username LockedOnNittany. 
But that's going to do it for today's episode. So hopefully you enjoyed it and hopefully you come back for more as we go out throughout the week addressing some more questions that I have about the Penn State 2020 season. And if you want to make sure you never miss a single episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button right now on whatever podcasting app you're using to listen to this episode. And then go ahead and leave a rating and review. Let us know what you thought about the show and the podcast in general. We love your feedback. It does help with the position on those very various platforms uh, that you're listening to these podcasts on. So we appreciate any help you guys lend us in that way. I'm Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Kevin on CFB. Also check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash Kevin McGuire. You can help support me and the podcast in that way as well. Until next time, everybody, go one and know today. Get your week started off on the right foot. Hopefully we help to do that. And we'll be back again tomorrow with some more questions and some more commentary on Penn State. It is Twitter Tuesday tomorrow, so make sure you send in your questions now so we can include them in tomorrow's episode. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day. I'll talk to you later. Bye.